I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can I help you, sir? <clears throat> yeah, what, what the hell are these? These are tortillas. Tortillas deliciosas. Yeah, so what, what are these? These are tortillas which contain Echo Bright's tax records and other documents showing how your company has created invoices with fake charges. How did you get these? I'm sorry, but Chef never reveals his recipes. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. Madison, Emily, thank you so much for coming back. I think it's been like a year uh, since you guys have been on. The last time you were on was The Witch, the Robert Eggers film starring Anya Taylor-Joy. Now we're talking about another film starring (laughs) Anya Taylor-Joy. I don't know if it was like (laughs) on purpose or not, but we're here. And so let's get the ball rolling. Okay, so how did you first discover the film? Emily, I'll start with you. How did you first discover the film The Menu? Well, to add to your Anya Taylor-Joy of it all, I think that henceforth, whenever we have a podcast collaboration, we can only cover an Anya Taylor-Joy movie (laughs) moving forward. So I'm really glad we're talking about the menu today. Um, But to answer your question, I heard about the menu because of all the awards buzz going on around this film. And Madison and I both, uh, you probably as well, I feel like whenever it's award season, I do my very best to try to watch as many of the movies that are nominated that I can. So I watched this before the Oscar nominations were sent out, but I heard everybody talking about it. And I love a film that is kind of like a dark satirical drama. I still need to watch Triangle of Sadness. That's another one that's still on my list, but seems very similar. Um, So that's how I first discovered this film. But Madison, what about you? I think the first, I think I caught onto this like right when the first trailer came out. I really liked the first trailer to this movie and 
uh, I saw this with my friend Rachel, who is like a foodie, but like a good foodie, not like an obnoxious foodie, like just knows about food. Like we'll go to a restaurant and she'll eat something and she'll be like, that was okay. And I'll be like, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> when it was like the best meal of my life. But so uh, that it was something her and I were talking about for like months leading up to the release and, and we went to go see it together. What about you, Armand? How did I discover this film? Well, it's yeah. kind of similar to uh, Emily because like I'm on a lot of channels of like, you know, A24-esque films or Oscar-worthy films or just art house films in general. And with this film, there's a whole bunch of buzz around it. And I knew absolutely nothing. The only thing I knew was the poster. And I was like, okay, the poster looks kind of cool. It has a whole bunch of big names like Ralph Phineas, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, of course. We talked about her. Um, but, like, I never went to go see it. And then I heard a little bit more that it was, like, midsummer for the culinary world. And I was like, what? What could that mean? <laughs> so I, had I actually to... wrote that down, too. I wrote, it's like midsummer. <laughs> like, I don't know. I only realized that watching it. I was like, all right, you got a cult-like atmosphere. Yes. You got unlikable characters. And you have a surviving female protagonist. Like, yeah. it kind of, it, it, yes. there are a lot of similarities. Yes. And there's some, uh, maybe, human sacrifices along the way. We'll maybe. get into it. And it's <laughs> a dark film. Men. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So, like, this film, I was just blown away when I first saw it. And I was like, I went into it blind, and I'm glad I went into it blind, because, like, I had a notion of what I thought it was about, and that was completely subverted very early on in the film, <laughs> which I'll get into it right now. I thought the movie was about cannibalism. I, was <laughs> I, I feel like it could have definitely gone that direction. Like, I would not be surprised if it went into cannibalism. That like, never crossed my mind, but that thought progress makes a lot of sense. Right. <laughs> with the trailer even. Yeah. Yeah, because like, it was like described as like, oh, it's it's a dark tale. And I was like, dark tale? Culinary? Mm -hmm. They're probably eating people. Yeah. <laughs> and even in the trailer too, you see the men kind of scattering. And I'm like, oh, they're hunting humans. Right? Like you see them, you know, there's like a point in the film they're where they're be running dinner. away. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that just makes sense. Why else would they be running away? I don't know. Right. Well, we're going to tell you right now. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know. Okay. So Emily Madison, you're from the West Coast. You know, here in Chicago, we have a little bit of a foodie culture going on. You probably heard of our deep dish, our, our Polish sausage. Yes. <laughs> our, <laughs> we have a thing called Portillo's, very famous for their, uh, the Chicago hot dog. It's pretty much a hamburger, but it's a hot dog. But anyways, so are you, are you familiar with like the foodie culture? Madison, you're in, you're in Seattle. I know it's very hip over there. Yeah, it is a good it is a good food city. But the the best thing about this location, I think, in relation to this movie that I did not know until I started researching it for today is that one of the restaurants that inspired this movie is on the San Juan Islands, which is just north of Seattle. Uh, and the San Juan Islands are notoriously like they're challenging to get to. Right. You have to like book a ferry like weeks in advance. Emily's been, I think, to one of the islands. Oh, wow. You have to hop on a ferry. It's like a two hour ferry over to these islands. And um, there was a restaurant called Lumi on the San Juan Islands that had a New York Times article run about it a couple of years ago, basically about like its toxic work culture. And if you look at pictures of it, it looks really similar to this restaurant. And so in their research, after they had the idea for this movie, it was inspired by by Lumi on the San Juan Islands in Washington. You said was described. Are they still open? 
I think that they closed because of the because pretty of the damning New York Times yeah. article. <laughs> oh, that was like, it's not a good place to work or eat, don't everyone. Support, don't support good this. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I probably should look that up and confirm that. But after I read the article, I'm like, they probably should close if they're not already <laughs> closed. Um, but yeah, I don't think that, personally, I don't think that I would consider myself a foodie. <laughs> and, and I think Emily and I could maybe laugh about this because I'm mostly just known for eating hot dogs. Hot dogs. <laughs> that's a that's a long running joke. But anyways, I wouldn't consider myself a foodie. Seattle's a great food city, but I feel like San Francisco is maybe even a better one. But Emily, what do you think? San Francisco has great food. I'd also like to preface this conversation by saying that I I'm just trying to be healthy. I, I've been on a two-day juice cleanse. So the venue is like the worst possible movie to watch during during this time. And it's very difficult for me to talk about this today, like talking about all this food. Um, but I just told you, uh, I revealed that I ordered a salad earlier. So I'm really, I'm really uh, breaking the law by doing that yeah. during my juice cleanse. You're breaking um, the juice cleanse. I yeah. am, but it's worth it. It's worth it for my sanity <laughs> and for Matt's sanity so I don't bite his head off uh, literally and figuratively. But <laughs> agreed. So I find, so foodie culture is very big, obviously, in San Francisco, very much in LA. And I think that LA definitely has more of the type of uh, dining like guests that are portrayed in this movie from what I've experienced. Like I enjoy good food, but I don't think I do find it very intimidating. Like I don't seek out Michelin star restaurants to go have that whole experience. I don't go drink wine and then put it into the spit bucket. You know, like I find it very intimidating and I do enjoy food, but I think the foodie culture with those like very high level restaurants, I don't think I can appreciate it as much as somebody else can. And I think that's why I find it pretty intimidating. Like I like food. I like good food, but if I do go out to a nice restaurant like I don't seek out places where it's an experience where they give you the foam or like the smoke above your food. Oh yeah, you know, like that's not for the me. Deconstructed personally. meals, exactly. Um, but yeah, have, I was wondering actually for either of you, we'll start with Armand. But have you ever experienced a kind of dining experiential uh, event like the one that's portrayed in this movie? It could be obviously not to this extent, <laughs> but something that was very frou frou. <laughs> Don't judge me, but yes. Good for you. No, <laughs> I appreciate it. Tell yeah. us your experience. We want to hear about it. Yeah. Okay. Your ways. I'll tell you about it. Okay. So, I mean, there's quite a few times before watching the menu that I've been in that experience, that situation. But I went to uh, an upscale restaurant in Chicago relatively recently after watching the menu. And that was in my thought. I was like, yeah. wait a minute am I in the menu right now? <laughs> because like, as I'm looking at this restaurants in my vantage points is the open concept, uh, kitchen. They're all working. The chef is looming in the background and I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> am I going to die it. tonight? <laughs> it's a spectacle. And I feel like it very is an event and kind of like, it is an experience. Like you're going, it's like art essentially. Like you're going to a live art show where they put, the food in front of you like it's beautiful to look at it's probably very good to eat as well but that's why i think i, I get afraid of it because i'm like i don't want to ruin it you know <laughs> i don't i'm afraid right. to touch it <laughs> the camera eats first then mm -hmm. you do but like <laughs> in other instances i've been to like more like upscale restaurants and like one time this was years ago i went with a whole bunch of different people and we are around the table waiting for our food and it's like you know it's taking a while you know in between dishes and 
uh, my friends, she was dating this guy and this guy was like, you know, I'm kind of hungry. And I was like, yeah, the food is coming. Don't worry. Like it's, it's, he's like, yeah, well, I'll be right back. So I was like, okay, he's going to go to the bathroom. So he was gone for a good 15, 20 minutes. He comes back and he's like, okay. I was like, where were you? He was like, I had to step out to get some McDonald's, you know, I'm amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah. I thought you also were going to say like car snack, but that's way better that he just left the yeah. premises. <laughs> or like he, he went left. to a secret to chef. He's wondering where our food is right now. <laughs> no, bro, got some McDonald's. I'm like, I will, I will never, ever forget this moment. Yeah, Dude so leaves funny. like a really like classy place, goes to McDonald's, gets some food, comes back. And then continue eating at the upscale restaurant. It was, you it gotta just, give it to McDonald's for that literal fast food service. I mean, he came back, <laughs> if you think about it, pretty quick. Yeah, you just oh needed some God. McNugs. <laughs> Probably got a McDouble. <laughs> so, have you have you two been to a, an upscale restaurant similar to uh, the Hawthorne in the menu? Madison. Oh. oh. Oh, I, oh, oh. I, my most comparable experience is there's a restaurant in Seattle that's not like a Michelin star restaurant, but it's like very fancy called Canless. That's like mostly just known for being like outrageously expensive, but it's like widely known as like the fanciest restaurant in Seattle. And, uh, my brother, who's like an incredible cook, that's like all he wanted to do for his birthday. So we went to Canless and, that was about a year and a half ago, and I'm still financially recovering from that <laughs> restaurant That's experience. Expensive. So I would be able to have another fine dining experience in the next three to seven years, depending on uh, my rate for for paying off this trip <laughs> to Kinless. And I'm going to be honest, I don't remember a single thing I ate. I only remember oh, no. the bill. And it was like like fun to do and get dressed up, and they have a dress code and like, we had a great time and the wine was great and that's, and, and I don't think I need to do it again unless it's like a very special occasion and someone else is paying. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. I, mean, I recently went to my first Michelin star restaurant in ooh. LA. So Whoa. Matt and I got engaged in January. Very exciting. Congrats. So one of his gifts was going to an omakase Michelin star restaurant, which I don't, Matt's from the Midwest. Like he doesn't eat seafood, but he's like, this is going to be a great experience. So I've never had omakase, but I love Japanese food. So we went to this experience and he was describing it to me like, it's the sky. It's, you know, they were open before the pandemic, but now it's like, it's like private events only. So it's probably going to be us and a few other couples, you know, you have the sushi bar and it's omakase. So they put the food down. So we were looking at the etiquette before we went because we want to be educated. So we were looking it up and saying, you know, what are the, the right ways and the wrong ways to eat this food? So you're respectful. And we went, and it's literally just us and the sushi chef. There was nobody else there. It was a very private dining experience where Whoa. I guess they had another group coming later, but it was one-on-one. -on -one. So there was even more pressure, but it was honestly some of the best food I've ever had. And I almost cried when I ate the mochi that he made because it reminded me of, it was kind of like ratatouille where uh, Egon eats the ratatouille and it takes him back to his childhood. You know, yeah. he has that memory. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like that, where I used to make and eat mochi as a child, and I ate it, and I was just like, oh my god, it's so good. And it was a very fun, memorable experience, so I actually do appreciate it, and I think it takes less pressure off, because there weren't any other people around. I wanted 
not to impress the chef, but I tried to be educated. You know, we're trying to be as respectful as we could to the point where we're probably pretty just awkward and stiff, like watching him the whole time. But (laughs) honestly, it was very fun and I would recommend it. So I'm glad that there was a positive from that experience. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there was a little rat in his hats? At 1,000%, yes. (laughs) If not a rat, at least a raccoon. A A raccoon. Raccoon. Oh my God, 100%. That would be amazing. But yeah, oh my God, that sounds absolutely incredible. And I do have to mention, so we talked about this before. So this movie was inspired by Lumi, which has closed because of an expose on the New York Times. Well, because of this film, another high-profile a restaurant called Noma closed down, which is kind of like the Hawthorne in the real world. Like they sell like reindeer dick on a place, like, like really extravagant stuff. Stop (laughs) selling. So the head chef watched this movie apparently and was like, you know what? That's a good idea. And then closed. (gasps) Wow. (laughs) Wow. 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 Yeah. Like watch the movie and was like, yeah, like this is all a disaster and skewed and I don't want to do this anymore kind of thing. Yeah, yep. That's pretty badass. Good for him. <laughs> I am kind of actually obsessed with that that came out of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, like I was I was I was like surprised. I was like, "Oh my god. Like that's that's such a ballsy move, but like the dude has integrity. He was like, "You know what? I'm closing my doors. I don't want to do this anymore." Yeah. And good for him. Good for him. So let's get into the film. We are teasing about we are teasing on it. So let's dive fully into it. So Emily, you said uh, before we started rolling that you have a pitch ready. I do. Even I though we don't our... do elevator pitches anymore, we'll call. We can back. call it. We we'll brand it however you want to, Armand. Let us know after I read it. We can okay. we can categorize it accordingly. <laughs> okay. All right, Madison. Do you have one too? Nope, not at all. Okay, great. I think you did. I think you did it last time. So I'm happy to to take the reins. All right, okay. Emily. If you were to summarize the menu, how would you do it? All right, I'll ready? tell you right now. Okay, go. Tagging along with a group of pretentious foodies on a dining experience of a lifetime, Margot Mills discovers she may have bit off more than she can chew. While the other guests fawn over the masterful works put in front of them by world-renowned chef Julian Slowick, it's revealed that there's something fishy happening at Hawthorne. And no, it's not the lemon caviar served on a raw oyster with mignonette. After a series of events that take place that prove there's more to this dining experience than just the food, Margot realizes that she must take matters into her own hands if she wants to leave the restaurant fully satiated and alive. And that's it. That was incredible. I wanted more food puns, but I got a couple in there. I was going to say, I counted like three puns. You kind of crushed the puns. Thank you. (laughs) As dad joke approved. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So yeah, I mean, let's, let's fully dive into the menu. So, I mean, from the first course to the dessert, I was on the edge of my seats. I just couldn't believe what I was watching. Like this movie was more than a movie. This felt like, what was it? Seven courses, five course. It was this beautiful evening, except it was inverted at the same time because like it was such a dark take on what it is for the whole dining experience, the whole pretentious dining experience. And you know what? It was deservingly so because like every single time I'm in those situations where it's like high class, I've been to like 
cocktail parties of like yeah, super affluent upper crust in Chicago. And I was like, am I the only one here from humble roots? You know, <laughs> it's kind of like the Margot character. Where it's like she totally does not belong in this crowd. And yet she's there, which we're going to get into. But like, yeah, I mean, how did let's get into it. So, Madison, what were your first takes? Yeah, I think I might be the odd man out here. I really like this movie, and I do also have some qualms with, some with qualms. the menu. I have a few qualms. I think this movie is really fun. I've seen it twice. Um, I I would enthusiastically recommend it. And I think I the first thing I said when I walked out of it with my friend is like, almost. Like, it felt like an almost to me. And I think it's because I wish it almost would have gone more the dark route than the comedy route like I feel like it once you know we get to that kind of second act oh we're in for it we know what's happening now we know that everyone is supposed to die R.I.P. Jeremy Loudon right like once we get to that Jeremy poor Jeremy uh also just like a side note I was watching this with my boyfriend and he had no idea what this movie was about and that scene (laughs) happened and he was just staring staring at the screen and like four minutes passed and he went is Jeremy coming back? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> he's not. No, he's gone. Um, it's the turn. It's the know? turn, right? And and once that happened, I was so into it. And then and then the movie actually for me in like three quarters in like kind of loses me in like the the sequence in his house. And we were talking about that scene when all of the they are like all of the men are running away. That scene for me felt like an opportunity for like another dark moment. Like they could have like killed and eaten one of the men. I don't know, like something like that. I sound like a psychopath. I really (laughs) am saying this, but like weird that I I agree with you too. I just I would have loved some cannibalism. Yeah, I I think that for me it could have just gone like a step further for dark because like I'm in with like the obvious expose on like us taking a look at. I also will just say before I even finish the sentence, it's hilarious that we're dissecting this film on a podcast because they're literally making fun of us, like us, like <laughs> let's really get into movies, right? Like let's really dissect and get into it. Like we're the customers and the movie is the, like it could be related to anything, but I'm so in for that. I'm in for the themes and I I just, it could have been dialed up a little bit more for me, I think. And that that's my key takeaway, but I do really enjoy it. Armand, what did you think about it the first time you watched it? Or well, second time, or third. I don't know how many times you've watched it. I saw it two times. Okay. Uh, but before I get into that, that last statement you said, Madison, about like us being podcasters talking about film and it's like the movie's making fun of us. I have a friend who is also a podcaster and he almost hung his hat up after watching this film. I was oh, like, no. he was like, you know what? I'm a charlatan. I, I, like, what am I doing? I just need to, I'm like, that is not the sentiments I got <laughs> after exiting this film because like the sentiments I got from exiting this film was kind of like what the chef was going through because like, so with chef Slowick, he's kind of like the Gordon Ramsay of this film. And he is just throughout the years of advancing in his career. He can only serve to affluent people because that's kind of like where he got pigeonholed into like his price point and he came from very humble beginnings he was like a burger flipper and his burger joints and he was employee of the month when he was really young and you know that's really great and 
with his character, he lost that passion for his craft. And for us being, you know, creatives, it's kind of like, imagine you losing that craft, losing that passion for your craft. It's, it's heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking when I see like people, like for me, I'm a designer by trade. So like when I see people that I went to college with give up on their design career, it's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? That just, that as a fellow designer, as like your fellow, you know, classmate, it's like, you shouldn't compromise on your dreams. And with uh, Chef's character, he kind of did that. You know, it's like, that's his career, but like, he just loses the spark, loses the flame. And then as this movie progresses, before we really get into it, he kind of, for a moment, gets that little spark again. And I was like, ooh. So that really resonated with me. I was like, don't give up. Don't give up on the passion for your, whatever your craft is. So... Those are my sentiments after watching it for the first time, uh, Emily. But like after watching it for the second time, I've noticed more because like when I when I went into it, I I didn't know what this movie was about. I didn't I didn't know what to expect. So going into it a second time, there was some things that I would expected from this film, and I picked up on a lot more because like you kind of know what the punchline is, so you like see mm-hmm. where the setup is. And there's a lot in this film that have a lot of payoff because everything was set up so nicely. So I do want to get into the qualms that you have, Madison, but I also want to give uh, Emily some time to shine with the praises that she has. I have many, many praises on this film where I actually thought that the pacing of it and I thought it was pretty balanced overall with the comedy. And I guess you can call it the horror or the drama, uh, behind the film yeah so when i watch it and also just a fun fact which i didn't realize until the second watch that adam mckay and will ferrell are both producers on this movie which i find incredible and i worship both of those people so much so i feel like i know where the comedy comes from and the writers on the film also i believe both used to work for the onion which is one of my favorite uh quote news sources it all makes (laughs) sense now it all once you think about it it makes sense but i i came out of this movie immediately loving it i thought it was very fun and i thought like i mentioned it's perfectly balanced with the amount of weird but also slightly sentimental like i definitely sympathize with some of these characters and i will be excited to go into that later on as well um margo is obviously the star i love anya taylor joy i think she could do no wrong Ray Fine, I feel like whenever I look at him, I, I do not think of Voldemort anymore, luckily. I just look at him and I'm very proud of what he has done in his he career has a nose. after that. Exactly right. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, not too much to say about it, but I did really enjoy the movie the first time. And also, like you said, the second watch is always different when you know the outcome. So you are able to notice more of those subtle nuances that they kind of plug in throughout the movie. So it's always going to be enjoyable for me to watch. And I also just, I think it's great, well, wonderfully paced, much like, much like chef's courses. It makes sense to me and it feels right. <laughs> I thought it was finely paced. Like there was no moment where I was like, they could have got rid of the scene. It's dragging just like with a nice lean beef. There was no fat. On this movie. <laughs> Yes. I my one my I guess my one qualm is that I really wanted more Elsa. I wanted more Hong Chao because she's incredible and I thought she did a fabulous job. Her deadpan delivery on all of her lines were fantastic. So good. 
100 percent emily's yes. vip are, of the year hong chow these are tortillas yes <laughs> deliciosa <laughs> yeah but what are these yeah these are tortillas <laughs> She's been interviewed since. People keep asking her to recreate it, and she doesn't want to redo the line because she doesn't want to disappoint people. <laughs> She's incredible. She knows. I, I will say, while we're on the topic of the cast, I do think that that is maybe one of my qualms, but bear with me. I think the core four are incredible. The core four being Hong Chow, Ray Fiennes, Anya Taylor-Joy, and Nicholas Holt. Like, what a, what a foursome like they're all so great specifically like i mean nicholas holt is like for me he could be the comedy of the movie like there's not much else needed around like how brilliant he is as like that completely ridiculous character so aptly named tyler i think (laughs) that like for me i have this weird thing that like i and it's nothing to do with the actors I think it has to do with the directing style. And I read a little bit about this, but there's something about like the supporting cast, like the tertiary characters and even some of the t- secondary characters that are like in the kitchen that doesn't like their interactions kind of bother me. And I, I read what I think it is, is that there was a lot of improv with those characters that they would like do scenes and then Mark Milad would have them do it again and just say like improv, like go for it. And I can te- like, I feel like there's something in my brain that's clicking on where I can tell that, like oh that was improved, and I don't know if it makes the movie worse like I I don't know if this is like a logistical qualm for me to actually say but just something about those characters specifically it's the three men it's like the three mm-hmm. guys the, the that business, like the business bros yeah a lot of their dialogue uh bothers me <laughs> but but I love like I love the the core four members so much but I think that's the reason the movie does actually work for me is because of those four actors like I think that they're truly giving like a plus performances like no notes they're incredible so what else do you think was improv because i have a feeling maybe because like you talked about the trust fund bro corporate bros being improv do you think the wine bearer the the waiter oh, essentially some the, the, the sommelier one yes. of my favorite characters i thought he was hilarious <laughs> do you think I his, like random comedy <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah like talent like, like well improv he did great so that's an example of a good improv. And like yeah. the the dude bros are an example of bad improv. Yeah, there's something about it that just like, it seemed like, now look shocked. You know what I mean? <laughs> and they're like, oh man. You know, like it just seems like that to me in a lot. Maybe of they're just bad actors. Maybe. I just didn't want to be me. <laughs> I do I love the guy who plays yeah, Jaime in Broad City, isn't it? He's wonderful. <laughs> but I will definitely look out for that next time. I watch because I didn't have a problem with it, but maybe you just broke this, broke the glass, shattered the glass around me. And now I'm going to notice it every time I watch it moving oh, forward. No. Oh, I hope, I hope no. I <laughs> but, and it's not even, and, and maybe it's not necessarily even that, like, I also just feel like those characters maybe are like slightly underutilized to like the plot line in the story. Like, yeah. Um, like they all, it's clear what they all stand for, but I feel like they're all kind of like lumped together in terms of like being the bad. And it could have been cool to have them a little bit more individualized. Like weirdly, what I'm thinking of is like the kids in Willy Wonka and the talking <laughs> how they're all supposed to be like Augustus a different deadly Glue, scene, like you know? TV. <laughs> yeah, like that would have been like something just a little bit more dynamic with those characters. I think would have made it like smart. But maybe I'm also just missing something, and it was smart. Or maybe it could have just been one person. Or maybe two guys, like partners, and they're just, you know, going out to eat. Yeah, like, 
Yeah, it felt like they were tacked on. Like we needed those like douchey yeah. trust fund kids turned adults <laughs> in there. Because like when you look at the rest of the cast, the rest of, I don't know what to call them, supporting actors, um, you have like this married couple that's very problematic because of the husband being a, a douchebag. And then you have, um, oh my God, the uh, the pretentious foodie reviewer the critic yeah lillian her character was phenomenal insufferable but i love she she does such a good job and her editor i think her it's her editor for the magazine yes he just they're great they're great like he has no (laughs) thought of his own like he will try to say something like his own thought and then she'll just shut him down immediately goes yeah you're right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but i also I love, love if we're going into these death the other guests john yeah. lugazamo's character the the movie star <laughs> and his uh assistant yeah. i believe it was his assistant mm-hmm. but who were we can get into that later too but just bad wrong place wrong time on multiple levels for him <laughs> i yeah i do love that he is there and i love the dialogue around the fact that he's there just because he made a movie that chef yeah. did not like yeah he like <laughs> laugh that's probably my favorite plot point of the movie that he was same like, you wasted my afternoon. Yep. And I'm mad. There's also a great almost casting for that role. Well, Did you guys read about it. this? No. Who? Originally, that was supposed to be Daniel Radcliffe playing <gasps> himself. He was supposed to be playing himself. Why didn't he do it? That's so that's so character. up his it's so up his alley. It is that, up his alley. That would have been like immaculate for me. That would have been so great. That's really funny. Yeah, and he had to drop out, I think, due to scheduling conflicts. The movie got delayed because of COVID or something, and he, like, had to drop out and was bummed about it. But that would have been, like... And he chose Weird Al. Weird Al. John, like, Lozano playing himself, I think, would have been also hilarious. Yeah. But I love... I think it was a little bit meta, too, because, like... I don't know if you know this, but he was Luigi in the Super Mario movie. Yes, he was. I love that movie. It is a thing of nightmares, but I really appreciated watching it as a small child. Because you know what I think of when I think of Super Mario? Blade Runner. (laughs) Yeah. You get me. You're our our people. (laughs) Yeah. I watched it when I was a kid. Yeah, why why did our parents allow that? It was, I don't know if it was on Cartoon Network or Nicholas. It was on TV and I watched it. I'm like, this isn't Mario. <laughs> like, not <laughs> at confused. all. This man's angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he played Luigi and uh, Chef didn't like him because he played in a really, apparently really bad movie called uh, Paging Dr. Sunshine. <laughs> He's like, I saw that movie. It was my day off. It was a Sunday. For a Sunday in months, I had a day off, and I saw your movie. It was terrible. I'll never forget your face. <laughs> Understandable. There are some movies that I watch where I have the same sentiments, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other guests. So, like, oh, my God, I wish Daniel Radcliffe played his character. But we got John Luigazamo. I can't pronounce his name. Luigi. Luigi's in this. We're going to call him Luigi. <laughs> But, like, what's interesting with, I guess, like, and going back to the whole foodie culture, because, like, in the beginning of the film, we have uh, Anya Taylor's Joyce character, Margot. She's smoking, smoking, looking cool. And Tyler is, like, giving her grief, like, 
you know, like, what the fuck? Like, you shouldn't be smoking. It's going to ruin your palates. Like, we're going to the Hawthorne. And what's interesting, if you look in the background with uh, Lillian's character, the foodie critic, she's also smoking. Yeah. Oh, no way. Yes. I didn't notice that. Oh, that's good. It's subtle. It's in the background. And, like, with her character, she... Because, like, in that tortilla scene, because, like, uh, they print a whole bunch of, like, damning uh, information uh, specific, uh, specifically for each guest. And for her character, it's, like, all the, I think, like, the Google Maps or, like, the menus of, like, all these restaurants, because of her reviews, closed down. And what's interesting is if she's a smoker, that means her palate was ruined, which means she gave bad reviews to seemingly good restaurants. Mm-hmm. So really interesting touch. Really interesting. I didn't know. Thank you for pointing that out. That is wonderful. But it's also like contradictory because, you know, she's apparently the gold standard of critics, right? So she reviewed his first restaurant, I believe. And now she's, and she came back by invitation only, which she later reveals. Like she probably loved getting that invite so she can come back for this experience. Um, and I also love, the whole bit with Lillian, the broken emulsion, where she yes. is, she's being, that's her job is to be critical, is to be mm-hmm. a critic. So she's always kind of, I feel like, looking for the negatives or the story around these food items. But the fact that they kind of blow it up and throw it back in her face by keep bringing her larger portions of the broken emulsion, <laughs> quote, broken emulsion, yeah. I think is great. And it's something that she's obviously never had experience before because her job is to critique this food. She eats it. She writes her piece like she's done with it. Essentially, she doesn't have to face the repercussions of these restaurants closing. She doesn't have to face not having a job anymore. She will always have a job because she's a food critic. There's always other restaurants. But right. that I thought was just such a fun way to throw it back in her face to be like, mm, OK, yeah, you think it's broken? Well, here you go. Here's some more. If you want it done properly, there you go. Have fun. So I thought that was very brilliant as well. Yeah. Yeah. Th- yeah go she's ahead. Kind of like. Or sorry, Armand. Uh, I was just going to say, it's interesting because like if her and Tyler are kind of the two like foodie patrons, right? Everyone mm-hmm. else is just there because of their, right. they can afford to be there. But right. they're kind of the two who are there because of like the food. Their passion, so-called passion. Right. And it's interesting, like, because I feel like they're kind of two different sides of the foodie coin, right? That she, and and this can be related again to any art form like we were talking about, like she's the reviewer who has so much power and you're questioning her ability to wield it like what about your palate and knowledge like makes you like worthy of having this much power Mm -hmm. over people's crafts and right livelihoods and then on the flip side (laughs) tyler is the like the horrible consumer who watched a season of chef's table and was like (laughs) i could do that the pseudo foodie yeah, exactly. And so it's it's interesting because I think that both of those two personalities could be applied again to like any any art form and kind of just like the the idea of the people who kind of take suck the joy, like you were saying, Armand, out of talent and out of artistry. Um and yeah, I would like to think that that is not what we are all doing by having a podcast because we just like it. <laughs> like neither of them no, seem we're to different. actually like it very much. Yeah, we're that's di- why yeah. I specifically <laughs> I specifically don't review movies. Exactly, we just, just talk, talk about, about it because about we're passionate about it, and yeah. we don't get paid to do it. We do it out of the goodness of our hearts. It's true. Yes, it's true. 
This movie gets two out of ten. <laughs> two thumbs down. We have like three <laughs> three followers. We have the power. <laughs> it's just us three. It's certified fresh. Go we're watch different. it. James Cameron. We're not we're not we're not in the same category as the foodies. Don't worry. Go to the no. bathroom. You'll see it again. <laughs> Can that be the tagline of this podcast episode? Thank you. Can that be the, yeah, the, the title? Can you just put it yeah. on? <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> the menu, colon, go to the bathroom. You'll see it again. It's exactly. funny that it's also a colon in two ways. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I love the English language. All right. <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> you knew what you were getting into, Armand, when you invited us back. Come on. Yeah, yeah. you welcomed this. <laughs> with open arms. With open colons. <laughs> no! <laughs> you can take that part out if you would like. I'm so, no. I apologize. <laughs> can a colonoscopy. <laughs> This is so fun. I missed you guys. Open cold. <laughs> oh my god. And he needs to make more movies so we can keep doing this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next up, oh, we have to do Super Mario Brothers when it comes out, you guys, because Anya and Oh, that's right. Mario. And we can and we can compare it to the old Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh my god. Double I feature. This. I love Holy this. <laughs> Mario and Mario. Yeah, I mean God, at least in the first Super Mario movie, the dude at least seemed Italian. <laughs> he's Italian. He's for and sure Chris Italian. Chris Pratt is like, it's a me, Mario. <laughs> you can do it too, Armand. Everyone yeah. could do it. Yeah. yeah. I remember when he was like, do the voice, do the voice. Okay, it, it's a me, a Mario. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not the voice. That was a fucking voice. That was a voice. <laughs> and he was like, oh, we've been working on it for months. No, no, pass. It's just his voice. <laughs> Someone theorized that probably in the movie he's gonna like I don't know get like a groin shot or like get hit in the head, and like the actual voice actor from Mario is gonna do the sound effect like like yippee or whoa. <laughs> yeah, It'd be like a little Easter egg. That's it, just to okay. appease Mario fans. Yeah, yeah. Speaking We're all of Mario, <laughs> yes. The menu. Oh, nice, really great. That's yeah. my really, really easy transition back. Emily's in. known for her transitions. Yeah. Speaking right. of the Mushroom yeah. Kingdom, Hawthorne. Ooh, yeah. good one. Yeah. So, like, with Tyler's character, 
Like he is that, I mean, I love how you put it, Madison. Like it is two sides of the same coin or two different sides of the same coin because like they're both like food critics, except like Tyler thinks he's a foodie mm-hmm. because like as the movie goes on, it's revealed he was been, he was in contact with chef for eight months, you know, you know, kind of like engrossing himself in the food culture, the, cause you know, the high class cuisine, culinary world. And after eight months, like chef, like put some front and center. It's like, you know, like, like this is your time to shine. Like Tyler, I have this coat for you. Puts on like the chef's apron, writes his name on it. It's like, here, cook. After eight months, cook. And he makes a complete fool out of himself because like he can't cook. He doesn't know anything about cooking. He doesn't know up from down. And like, I, I just love when he was like dicing up, I think like onions or potato, I forget which. And he's dicing them really badly. And the chef <laughs> is like, wow, you're enlightening us to a cutting technique that we are all ignorant to. Like, this is great. <laughs> Cooks the lamb I... for like one minute. It's done. Undercooked. <laughs> I, I love Tyler's character. Sucks. He's bullshit. And it's, it, there is a very fun juxtaposition. Madison is like what you were saying about Lillian, who is, a, she's a professional. Like, even if she is rooting wives, like that is her job by trade. Even if she's fucking up her palate by smoking, I think that she at least knows what she's talking about. Whereas Tyler is very, very early beginnings of being interested in food. I don't even think he appreciates it. I think he understands what's going on. But if Chef puts put anything in front of him, he would eat it and think it's amazing. It doesn't matter what it is. Like Armand said, he came in knowing about what the menu and the events were going to be of that evening. And he still came anyway, which kind of leads me back to that kind of cult mentality, where Chef right. obviously has the people in his staff who are following him, like that is their leader. And he wants, he's so desperate that chef can kind of smell that on him which is a deterrent like he's like you're not one of us you are coming in you are too desperate like you're too obsessed and idolizing chef which you do with a cult leader but to the point where he doesn't understand the food he doesn't appreciate it as much as he like chef would want somebody to appreciate the food that he's putting in front of him so i thought it was very interesting that like what happens in the whole tyler situation like even like with the tortillas he says do not take pictures Tyler takes the picture and then they print yes. that picture on the tortilla. And then Tyler's immediate reaction, well, when Margo is freaking out, he goes, Did you do you think he's mad at me? Like it's a toxic relationship. He is in a toxic relationship with Chef. That's not even a real relationship because Chef doesn't respect him clearly. But yeah. Madison, what do you want you want to say something? I can see that, it in your eyes. That was so sorry. That was so like wise of you and just sent me down a whole thought tangent. But I think that like Tyler basically like I think what you're saying is like Tyler like had a void in his life and he just like filled it with a hobby and the hobby happened to be being a foodie and he Mm -hmm. seemed to have like the means to explore that hobby right but that kind of made me think about a question that I had for both of you are we Tyler (laughs) yeah I'm I'm joking yeah yeah. would you eat Tyler's bullshit yeah um (laughs) no but like like if if Tyler's filling this void in his life, like maybe that's what everyone in the room is doing besides Margot in some sense. And my question for you guys was, was going to be if the staff are the givers, right? And the customers are the takers, as Chef says it, right? And that's why everyone must be punished because he's restoring balance back to art and the universe and the whole point he's trying to make. My question was, 
then at the end, what is Margot slash Aaron to Chef? Because she must not fall into any of those categories. And I feel like what you were just saying about Tyler, Emily, like kind of made me think that like, he's just someone who should have gone to therapy instead of getting a hobby. <laughs> and maybe Margot's just the only person in that room who went to therapy. And like, that's why yeah. she's so well adjusted and everyone else needs to just chill out a little bit. But I am can interested I, in your answers to that question. Can I tell you a quick theory that I have before Please. I get into the Margot of it? Yes. No. So we see, it's a fun theory that is just me being very outlandish, but when Margot goes into Chef's house, there are the collection of pictures that she sees. Armand already mentioned that she sees the, the employee of the month burger chef there's yeah. also a photo an old photo of chef with a wife and their baby yeah what if this is just me being Whoa. outrageous what if tyler is chef's oh. son <laughs> chef may or may not know it but tyler is just so obsessed with food because he's trying obsessed with chef because he's trying to seek his father's approval. And that's why he cares so much. That's why he knows so much about food. That's why he thinks he's so amazing. That's why he brings a random girl to this event, knowing what, like, well, what would happen? What if that is Tyler's dad? This is just a fun theory I have. That is a fun theory. I think he would have said something at some point. (laughs) You're my dad. Dad. (laughs) But that was, I I just wanted to say, thank you. I thought it was kind of fun. I'm into pulling, it. Pulling from nothing. But to answer your question as well, I think because Margot is an escort, I think Chef realizes that she as well, I think an escort actually kind of falls within those two categories, like you're saying, Madison. They are a giver, but they're also a taker. I guess because, you know, the people in the food industry, they are they are giving you their service, but they are, you know, getting money out of it. And I guess whatever celebrity or fame that, that may get. But I think that Margot lands between those because she is giving those services to herself. But I don't know. It's a good question. And I don't think I have a fully formed rationale for her. Around why but, he lets her go. Yeah. It is a good question. That's an interesting take on uh, sex work. I never thought of it that way. I feel it right. It kind of goes like, right in the middle. It, yeah. But I think it's mostly she's giving. Right. But then again, I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> um <Next to> Armand. <laughs> I think I think what's I think the reason why I think I mean she still falls into the service industry like she's definitely at the chef's table I think in chef's eyes. But like I think the reason why he let her go was that you know everyone there is like you know he's doing the, the whole menu thing and it's designed for those people and she wasn't supposed to be there so like she, he didn't know what to do but like she tapped into the whole burger of the month thing it's like hey remember the reason why you got into the whole culinary field the burger and like she even said like i don't i, don't, I i'm hungry i'm taking the food back and he's like surprised like what she said, yeah i'm hungry you're hungry because he even said in the beginning of the movie, everything is designed for you to be full at the end. And she didn't like any of it. Mm-hmm. She was like, I just want a burger, not a deconstructed thing, just an all-American burger. And he personally makes her the burger. And like that scene when he's making the burger is the only scene where he smiles. Mm-hmm. Just a little, little faint smile. So he actually enjoyed making the food for her. And... I don't know. It was like kind of like him stepping back in time. Like he 
the touches with like the burger is like crinkle cut fries. It's not a styrofoam plate. The whole, the whole, the whole thing. It was like really presented like he was at that burger joint again. So I think like she was tapping into, hey, remember, remember when? So like, I think that's why he let her go. I was like, you know what? You're different. You made me feel something. I'm going to let you go. You can have this to go. Agreed. What do yeah. you think, Madison? Yeah, I think I think that that's, pro- that's probably the correct answer is that it, it's not necessarily about her falling into one of the categories or not falling into either of the categories as much as it is that she was a reminder of the joy before the art, which I think everyone could stand to, you know, remember about whatever they do in, in life. But yeah, I, I think that that's probably it. And just mostly just really well played by that character. Really she, smart. Yeah. She kind of crushed the psychology behind getting out of there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting you know, when she first does that, like when she first does the burger ploy, you can kind of see like the desperation in the other guests' faces. But then it kind of seems like by the end of the movie that they've kind of almost bought into what Chef is selling. Like the, right. the s'mores, like the customers there by the end mm-hmm. of the movie, they've like bought into the culty mindset. And so that's also just like an interesting juxtaposition is like, do they even like want to leave by the end or they, have they accepted their fates? I don't know. I think Chef also says a line in the movie. He was like, you could have escaped if you tried harder. Yes. Like yeah. He really. He was like, if you yeah. really tried, you could have escaped. And I, yeah, it is kind of like them accepting their fate in a way at the very end. Even when on uh, Margot's leaving the restaurant, and Judith Light's character just kind of like ushers her out, like it's right. okay for you to go. Like yeah. we're all, we're all just gonna be here and be turned into a delicious pile of s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> what was interesting with that scene? A couple things, like even in the beginning with like Dude Bros and Luigi. Like they're, they were even plotting, like, you know, when the, when the steak knives come out, we rush, we rush them. And it's like, they could have, they probably could have. Right. There's one gun, you know, at one point at the end, you know, like they have the knives and like, they do make the argument, you know, they probably know how to use those knives better than we do. But at the end of the day, like at least try, but I think that they don't have, I don't, do they care? Like they're, they didn't try. They didn't try at all. Do they just accept their fate and then call it a day? Like being in this place where they all wanted to be? I think they just couldn't believe what was happening. I mean, yeah. at first they're like, whoa, this is really good acting. It's theater. This <laughs> when Jeremy possibly shoots can't himself be real. in the face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What great is it acting. Real? Yeah. Is this real? Is this for real? And what's also interesting is I don't, it's interesting how you interpret it as they bought into the cult mindsets. Like, oh, yes, that's that's right, chef. I deserve this. Or maybe they came to the conclusion of, maybe I am a piece of shit. Right. And I do deserve this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I noted this. I actually watched the last scene twice the second time I watched it because I was like, I completely missed this the first time. But there's a few subtle things that they do as he's like walking around and s'moresing them, for lack of a better <laughs> verb, um, where... Uh, one of I forget who it is I think it's the wife of the guy who gets his finger chopped up mm-hmm. when he's saying like I'm cleansing you as he's forcing them she says thank you and then Lillian thank is crying you. but she's crying in a way that doesn't seem like I'm upset I'm about to die she's crying in a way that looks like catharsis like she's ready to be cleansed and then there's there's uh the 
John Leguizamo's assistant when he says, like, be cleansed and everyone says, thank you, chef. She also says, thank you, chef, like, with the kitchen staff. So there's, like, a few instances and it kind of, like, very subtly but intentionally shows the guests, like, they're ready to be s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> they're ready to die. Yeah. They're in for it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's such a powerful ending because, like, I mean, I could see where the parallels with Midsummer come in because, like, well, unlike Midsummer, <laughs> um, they didn't, like, freely go to uh, the yellow uh, A-framed house. They were all killed. And with this one, it's really interesting because, like, there is that cathartic moment where it's like, like, I'm at the end of the road and I'm about to get this great release death and what better way than to be s'moresed <laughs> you know way better than a bear carcass i agree or anything that else that happened to the people in, in midsummer yeah 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 that was that was wild <laughs> like i took my and friend beautiful, was wildly beautiful that like disturbingly shot. beautiful yeah darkly beautiful i took my friend it was his birthday he doesn't like horror movies. Oh, no. But I accidentally double booked a day because, like, my friends are, like, <laughs> like really big Ari Aster fans. They're like, we have to see Midsummer. I was like, hell yeah, we're going. Then my friend texted me, so what are we doing for my birthday? And I was like, you want to go to the movies? I want yeah. to take you to the movies. <laughs> and then the movie, <laughs> the movie ends. He turns to me. He's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Be like, it's A24. It's an, uh, it's an independent film, not a horror. I don't know. The opening scene alone, he didn't leave after that. <gasps> oh, God. <laughs> the silver lining to this day. This was, you know, it came out years ago. Now he's like, that movie was pretty awesome. And I'm like, good. Yeah. Good for you. You came around. <laughs> oh, good my God. Thank you for educating him, too, Armand. That's yeah. I try. He I doesn't try. know he likes it until he watches it. So here you it's go. true. Yeah, that's true. He also like he was like, I want to, I want to watch a really messed up movie. I was like, okay, go watch Climax by Gaspar No. I don't think I, what is it? Um, it's called Climax. It's this Have French film. Seen. The whole it's an A twenty four movie. So like the whole premise is there's this rave going on and someone spikes the punch bowl with LSD and no one knows about it and everyone just has a really bad trip. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, shenanigans go down. I'm in. A lot of screaming. Okay. Tomfoolery ensues. Yeah, a lot you of had me at A24. <laughs> <laughs> so we, are we missing anybody? I think we talked about everybody in this film. Yeah. Dude bros, pretentious foodies. Jeremy Loudon. Jeremy, the only person I think didn't really need to be in this movie was Chef's mom. Mm. It's a it paints a little bit of a picture on on it his does. backstory. His mom I wasn't think, very nice to him. Yeah, I think we could have gotten that too. With I mean, I love the story of the scissors and the thigh. I thought that was masterful. Before that's the tortilla dish, the chicken. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad for her. I wonder if he does if. She's doing if she's there by choice. Doesn't sound like it. I don't think it's a very enjoyable experience for her. But she gets really good wine for free. True. Yeah. She didn't feel it at the end. Hell no. <laughs> she probably just like. Psst. 
That was her catching on fire immediately because of all the alcohol in her body. She just dissipated into a small yeah. wisp of smoke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the place did explode. Yeah. She's fine. Yeah, they're all fine. So are we ready to get off the fence? Let's. Questions? Okay. So my first one is, so like the whole inception of the entire movie, the menu, going through the menu. And I love how the film is like framed as a course. Like each chapter, each act of this film is like the mouche bouche, first course, second course, dessert. I thought it was masterfully done. So like the whole reason why Chef even made the menu was it was supposed to be his masterpiece his magnum opus, the whole culmination of his culinary career, and might as well take out a few people along with him. So do you think that the menu was truly his masterpiece? Madison, I'll start with you. I'm going to go with yes. My con- my contingent here is that I just wish that the course with the man running away would have been more meaningful. The man's folly. I could, I think that that could have been refined. But I the agree reason with you. I think it's his masterpiece is because I think that it achieved ultimately what he wanted it to achieve, which is if you pull back and if this, say this really happened, say this happened at Lumi on the San Juan Islands, right? That like the next day there was a news story that's like restaurant fire kills 35 people and then slowly the story comes out that oh this was actually like a mass murder suicide from a restaurant staff right like that would go down in infamy and it would mean something to foodie culture and there would be dialogue around that in the real world about like this manifesto let's say about what he was doing so i think did it accomplish what he wanted it to accomplish probably yeah especially because now he has a survivor to tell the rundown about what happened inside there so i'm gonna yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna go with yeah it's a good point the survivor aspect of it yeah she can tell the story mm-hmm. let's oh. tell the tale maybe that's why she got away hey probably maybe <laughs> <laughs> armand what do you think what do you think first me okay me yes. first i i also there is a, a contingent what a contingent to this as well yeah I believe that it was his masterpiece, but only with the inclusion of the burger because Mm. he did get that sense of fulfillment and happiness that he could, I think he can rest in peace because of the burger he made for Margot. Interesting. You know what's okay. You just blew my mind right now because I just thought about it because like we were talking about Nicholas Holt's character, Tyler, because he also had a addition to the menu. So like, so Margot's burger made it to the menu. It was right. part of the menu. It was good enough to be part of the menu. Tyler's dish, Tyler's bullshit, <laughs> was not part of the menu. Even uh, chef even said like, "Sorry about that. That's that was that's actually not part of the menu." And mm-hmm. I'm sorry because like uh, chef whispers something to Tyler, which caused him to hang himself. So we don't really know what he said. I can theorize saying like. No, you're you're not a chef. You're not, you're not part my of us. Son. <laughs> you're not. You're actually not my son. And I think the the biggest kicker is your dish is not part of the menu. Ooh, I that's it. Absolutely, what he said to him. I right? was envisioning it as just like the noose is in the office, like, oh, just like <laughs> helping him out a little bit. Yes, yeah, chef. But yeah, I think Armand, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I like all of these options. 
but yeah, it's true. Yeah. And that's why he, he had a sad, he died before, I mean, after Jeremy, but before anybody else and not in the way that he, chef envisioned also. So he was probably extra sad about that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. I think the menu was his masterpiece because like, as you're going through the movie, you realize like there's meaning in all of his dishes, especially man's folly. And I think I wish, I mean, I think there was enough there because like, if you really think about it, so like maybe it was playing on the whole concept, of like false hope. Because like all the men was like, okay, we'll give you 45 seconds, head starts to escape. There is no escape. They're on an island. They can't go anywhere. So like, I think that reflects Chef because like the whole concept was like, he came on to one of his workers, sexual harassment essentially. And she got her revenge by, did she stab him in the dick? I'm pretty certain. I, I think it was his thigh. It's unclear. I wondered the same thing. It's either the dick same. or the thigh. It would make sense I mean, if it's the dick. If it was his dick, good for him, because that was pretty far down. <laughs> that was a lot of blood, too. Because she smeared it on his white uh, chef's Which apron. I did. I enjoyed that little embellishment, too. It was nice. It was a nice touch for her. For Catherine, I believe, is her name. I could be wrong. Whichever it was, he played it pretty cool. I'll give him yeah. that. I feel like if I got scissored in my dick i probably would not be as like cavalier as he was he knew he deserved it right he deserved it for sure but he was kind of like okay <laughs> like i would be a little bit more distraught yeah in pain so i would also be yeah same with like getting s'mores yeah like, like everyone's pretty chill about their demise right including ray fine's dick yeah yeah they, they accepted it they were ready and, you know, they were full. They were full at the end of the course, both, you know, metaphorically and physically. They were yeah. ready. Yeah. They were content. Masterpiece. There it is. There yeah. you go. I it's agree. It was his masterpiece. But Good if this question. happened in real life, this will be remembered forever. Michelle. All right. My next question. Do you think the chef was justified by doing all this? I mean, no. <laughs> I want to say yes, but I also agree I, no. <laughs> I get it. Like, I get the whole sentiment. Uh, like, I get the dialogue. I love the dialogue. I agree with the dialogue that he is creating. Do I think people deserve to die? Probably not. It's probably, that's what I said too. <laughs> I feel personally about a lot of things, but I don't feel like I need to kill people because of it especially this group of people like i understand that there are some people who he has like a personal vendetta against so lillian but lillian didn't didn't like ruin his career she ruined other people's she made his career she made his career yeah yeah so maybe so maybe that is what he regrets because she she got him to this point that he obviously doesn't enjoy because he lacks the enjoyment of cooking but that there's also the the uh, Hawthorne's angel investor Doug Varick who dies what that's actually my favorite death personally just dipping him into the ocean with the giant angel wings yeah. because I think from my understanding he had to like like during the pandemic he took the ownership back for, of Hawthorne and the island from Chef 
Yeah. If that's correct. And he so wanted to change he the menu. Exactly. You can't change the menu. That's the whole point of the movie. But <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a great line in there is he says, there are no substitutions. That's Hawthorne. <laughs> right after he addressed with Margot, like, you're not supposed to be here. And then right. he screams she's, that line. It's so she's, she's, a she's a substitution. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Oh my that's good shit. God. There are no and, substitutions in Hawthorne. And it's funny because the one of the like first sentences I wrote down when right like when watching this movie was insufferable characters getting their comeuppance, and then I watched it again and I thought they're not all bad. <laughs> like I feel bad like 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 Luigi's like assistant, where he comes up to her specifically and goes and he like and and Luigi says hello Do, like what about her like she's innocent in this, and he comes up to her and goes, where did you go to school? And she says Brown. And he goes, student debt or student loans? And she goes, no. no. And he goes, well, you're going to die. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Which I dying. thought was just a hilarious bit. And same with, same with John Leguizamo. I feel bad that he just watched this movie on a bad day. And that's why he's dying. He didn't deserve that. I don't think the wife of, like, the wealthy wife of, the you know, the businessman or the rich government official, whatever he was, she didn't deserve to die just because she didn't remember what type of fish they served the last time they were at Hawthorne. You know, there are certain people who don't deserve the death right. that happened, in my opinion. But Armand, do you have a different take on this? No. Like, okay. <laughs> I definitely, I, like, I get it. I get it. Armand's like, no, they all suck. <laughs> death, re- death. Death. <laughs> I really like his final, well, one of the final lines where it's like he's addressing everybody before the dessert uh, dish comes out, saying, like, you represent the ruin of my work and Ooh, my yeah. life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's. It's true. One two punch. It is true. Yes. Yeah. But, like, does he, is he justified in murdering everybody? No. no. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> God, that that is truly like cult. That's like. Heaven's Gate, Jonestown. It makes sense with like the workers. It's like they're like they're ready to die for him. The clap and then the immediate obedience is very jarring. Yeah. It's something. (laughs) God. Okay. So my next question. Do you think this film, despite it being grim, could inspire people to not let go of their passion of their craft? AKA the guy from Noma closing down his doors <laughs> after watching this example. movie. Do you think this, do you think other restaurants will follow suit or will this inspire other people to be more passionate about their work? What do you think? I would like to think that the overall impact of the film is, is taking the Armand perspective, which is, I will say the optimistic perspective and not the, not the Noma pessimist perspective, which I do value like I understand that perspective and I understand and I think that it's personal right like I think that only he could have known like I am not doing this for the right reasons anymore so I'm not going to do it like there's no reason to and I do think that the the best thing about this movie is like the two sentence pitch like is just the idea of like making you think about why you do something and and what it can do to a person when the joy is taken out of of something they dedicate their lives to. So I'd like to think the optimist in me is going to say, yeah, I think that this film could have a positive impact on people, especially people who are maybe watching it and who are struggling with, with that, like struggling, whether it be like their day job or whatever they're doing to kind of like pursue their passion could kind of like reinvigorate it in an unexpected way. I'll say, yeah. 
Nice. What about you, yeah. Emily? So a long time ago, I remember from my psychology class in college, which was about 33 years ago in my brain, but there's a thing called the overjustification effect, which I remember by example, it was when there are people who, so the, I guess the definition is when there are people being rewarded for doing something that diminishes intrinsic motivation to perform that action. So there's an example that we learned about where there are two groups of people who love doing puzzles. And then they split those two groups up and one group gets paid to do it and the other one doesn't. So, but the people who are getting paid to it, much like Chef in this movie, you're doing this for people. You're getting compensated for doing this task where the more you do it, it becomes less enjoyable because if they don't pay you one time or if you are comp being compensated for it, you're not finding that enjoyment that you initially did beforehand. So I guess this is kind of similar like to your podcast point earlier, Madison, where we are doing this as, you know, for the joy of it. We're talking to our friend Armand today. We are very grateful. We're not getting compensated, but like we don't care about that because we're doing it for our as our hobby for fun. So I feel like it's kind of tied to that where and I'm not saying that you can't have both. I feel like for sure there are people who get paid to do what they love doing. And it's like a double whammy. They're having a great time. But once it starts, you know, the pressure starts building. And in Chef's example, you know. He starts getting this recognition. Lillian, you know, like puts him forward to become this amazing chef where everybody starts to go to him. There's a certain expectation. It probably does become less enjoyable because as you see from his clientele that's coming in, they do not find the joy in what he's doing. They are there for appearances. They are there to just like the, the business bros say, at least we can see that we went here. You know, they're doing it for the appearances. There are people who do it for the name dropping Luigi. There are people who are doing it because... Like they think it's, they can afford it. Like you mentioned earlier, like that couple. So it does suck the joy out of it. But at the end of the day, I think that people can find that balance and hopefully get it, have it both ways. Like we're doing right now. We're not getting, again, we're not getting paid, but like we're doing it for the love of it, which I feel sad when people aren't able to have both of those things. I don't know. But I, yeah. I was like, what was the question? No. God damn. God damn. Do you me. answered it. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I, was like, I was looking back. Did I answer the question or did I just go on a crazy tangent? No, oh, no that was no, so you good. Did. That was incredible. Did I go off menu? You oh. did go off menu. No, I didn't. There I are didn't. no substitutions at all. <laughs> there are no substitutions. But I, yeah, I do, Armand, think that this film will hopefully inspire people. And that perfect example of that, of that person who closed out his restaurant, that was such a good thing to note at the top of this episode yeah i mean that was shocking wow it, i can't it believe happened. it i love the facts <laughs> he never outright said that the menu inspired his actions no he did it's, it's very coincidental that it happened after the menu came out <laughs> <laughs> weeks after the menu came out i'd like to think like, that he's gonna open up like a little neighborhood burger joint yeah or like farm to table like just very yeah. like in his backyard yeah <laughs> You want a hot dog, kids? I do. We keep talking about hot dogs. I just really, I want a hot dog real bad. Oh, yeah. You have your juice cleanse. We can't talk about that. Guys. <laughs> Sorry. God, is that burger scene horrible? Oh, yes. It's a good looking burger. <laughs> yeah. It's a good looking burger. It was really, that. that's, may I ask one question to both of you right now? Yeah. yeah. Which one dish would you want from the menu? Tyler's Besides bullshit. Jeremy. Oh, excuse oh. me. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, it all looked so good. Like to be honest, it looks it's it's really good, except for Tyler's bullshit. 
I don't want to get food poisoning. I'm not a raw foodist. Yeah. But honestly, honestly, that double cheeseburger, he used two slices of cheese and two patties. American cheese. Because it doesn't split. American cheese. And when he smushes it down and all the juices come out. Oh, God. Yes. 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 My homemade burgers are still not, I can't get it that thin. I always get like the puffy (laughs) patty every time I cook them. Oh, that looks so good. Oh my god! Sure, they have a, a like a recipe somewhere online for this, the menu burger. Yeah, Ooh. we should have 70, made that before we recorded. Seventy-three percent lean, mm-hmm. <laughs> nice and fatty. Yeah, yeah. I would I would choose the burger. What would you choose, Madison? Yeah, no question. Not even a small question in my mind. You could provide me with a lot of other food options, and it would be hard to tell the <laughs> idea of that burger. <laughs> I do think the tacos look really good, yeah. minus minus the blackmail. Um, personally, I, I'd hold the blackmail on that one. But Just the chicken looks really tacos good. Hold the blackmail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no substitutions. Um, the tacos yeah, the look burger, good. The burger is the obvious choice, and I might even dabble in the s'more as long as I lived, because I just mm. really that that marshmallow headdress looks so fun. And like the chocolate fez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> Um, but only if, if death was not an option. But yeah, the <laughs> burger, I think the burger is, is the best option on that menu. It's made yeah. with love. The only thing made with love. It's true. So my final question, would you recommend the menu to a friend? Yes. I'm going to say, yeah, yeah, I would. But to specific friends, Madison, would you say? Or do you think you would be like... Is there a contingency oh, with this yeah. uh, recommendation? I would think about the person before I recommended the movie. And I think that I would recommend it on the like guidelines that like I can't wait to talk to you about it afterwards. Like yeah. I think that the joy of the movie is kind of the conversation starter of it. Again, I really like the movie because of that aspect, and I think the cast is great. And I don't know if I like love the movie, you know. So I like, but it's one that I love to talk about. Obviously, I love an hour and eighteen minutes in, and, and I would specifically. <laughs> only recommend it to your friend who you brought to watch Midsummer on his birthday. <laughs> that would be a great idea. <laughs> but yes, I would recommend it to people. I recommend it like after I watch it, like whenever I watch a movie that I enjoy, I will text like specific friends and say, hey, have you watched this yet? You would like it. Like Ma- Madison's typically on that list. I feel like you like a lot of things. If you will not like it, I would not recommend it. I text my friend Dan. I text like my girlfriend group. You know, I'm like, you guys, have you watched this yet? So, and, it, and I, I agree with you, Madison. It's definitely for the conversation of it. So I'm really glad and thank you for inviting us back, Armand, because yeah. I've been like waiting and I, I thank you for like actually making me deep dive into this movie so I could pull out all the things I wanted to talk about and have a nice discussion about it. I mean, I said this before we started rolling. I've been dying to talk about this <laughs> film. Like I was 100% recommending this to be, I was evangelizing this film because like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Madison, but like I thought... I mean, it's not the best movie I've ever seen, but it's the best movie I've seen in a long time mm-hmm. because it was. Elicits... Do not apologize. I'm so happy that you loved it so much. <laughs> I'm only happy about that. When he was making that burger, I almost cried. Yeah. <laughs> it was so beautiful. I was like, it was just like the culmination of like the entire ride. I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. This and is his so smile, beautiful. his smile. Yes. He was so stoked. I was happy for him making that burger. Yeah. 
For sure. It's a very complicated character he plays because like, he's truly the villain, but it humanizes the villain. It doesn't make you sympathetic to him. Well, maybe a little bit, but like it doesn't excuse his wrongdoings. It's just like a little, little peek inside how he thinks. And it's like, oh, it's just, it's really interesting. Yeah. It makes you think, it, it, it like points the mirror back to yourself. It's like, oh my God. What am I passionate about? Did I lose the passion? But yeah, I, we're doing it right now together. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I mean, I would one hundred percent recommend this movie. Like, it's it's not too scary. It's not too horrific. It's a little bit funny, but like, if you can't handle, I guess thrillers, don't watch it. But like, this movie is so good. God, it's so good. Everything about it, the writing, the acting, everything was firing on all cylinders. I agree. It's so good. I'm sorry that I... Madison, we all hate you. I'm sorry I love you. Downard. No. No, no it's, made, good to have, good it's good to have... The, this is why we have the discussion, so we can yeah. talk about it with each other. And Mostly I just love listening this. to people talk about things that they love. So that makes me... You guys, you know what? You've made me like the movie more. Ah. There we go. <laughs> We unpacked it, and you're like, you know what? It's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Armand, would this you is say this bullshit. is your favorite movie of the year? Do you have a top five? Ooh. Oh, or my top God. Three? That's a hard question. I'm oh, sorry that I sprung year? this on you. Are you going <laughs> to judge me? Okay. I think the menu is number one. Um, oh, you're putting me on the spot. It's definitely top five. I've seen other great films miniseries midnight mass god damn this is a hot topic in me and emily's friendship really i love i love mike flanagan more than almost anyone else working in the industry right now and emily (laughs) Uh is not on is not on my train i'm so sorry i love midnight mass it's so good I, I only know him as Matt Saracen, the guy from Friday Night Lights. Who's the, what's the name of the actor? Matt saw him in a grocery store down here in LA, and he was like, he was really short. <laughs> the guy he's who's short? like the main guy. What's his name? I don't remember his name. In oh, Christmas. the guy from he's Midnight like the guy. Yeah, yeah. kind of short. The young, the young sweet guy. Yeah, he was <laughs> wearing. He was he was short. I don't know if he was wearing shorts, but that's my only comment that I will make because I don't want to make either of you mad right now. And that's it. <laughs> Well, Madison, he's going to do the Dark Tower. I, listen, I'm so pleased about it because (laughs) I, you know, who's like the only person that I love about as much as I love Mike Flanagan? Stephen Stephen King. 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 (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Sleep just about boiled my brain and I'm really excited. I was about to be like why did he move from Netflix? What's going on? They were letting him do whatever he wanted. Why is he going to Amazon? And then when they announced Dark movie? Tower TV For series sure. they're doing okay. a mini, mini series, right Armand? It's going to be Dark five Tower seasons two spin-off movies probably one's going to be Salem's Lot if you haven't um, read those books <laughs> um, What? <laughs> Have you read the books? The Dark Tower books? I've only read the first one. Okay. I won't spoil anything. Keep going. It'll Wait. make sense. It'll make sense. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask. Just report <laughs> just report back. Every time you read a book, just report back. <laughs> Every time I read this whole week. <laughs> oh, my face is on fire. I'm excited. 
Okay. We're on a tangent. We're talking about Mike Flanagan now. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> Are we ready to close the show? I guess if we have. Regretfully, to. yes. Yes. There'll be more more opportunities. Okay. It's dessert. It's dessert. Yes, this is dessert. <laughs> and before we explode, where can people find more of you two? Do you guys have a podcast? Oh, wow. Or something? Thank you so much for asking. That's very polite. Yes. So Madison and I have a podcast. It's called Real Friends colon, a movie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bring it around town. So, yeah. So we are uh, on Instagram. We're at Real Friends Pod. Uh, we have a new graphic look. It's very exciting. So, Armand will probably, if you would like, Ooh. be posting about this episode with you. Uh, graphics from Katie, my sister. Um, and yeah, and we have episodes coming out every other week on Mondays. So please check us out. Apple, Amazon, Spotify, <laughs> wherever you listen to podcasts. That is Real Friends, R-E-E-L Friends. I'll link you guys in this episode in the show notes. Yeah, please go check them out. They're awesome. So yeah, Madison, Emily, thank you so much for coming out to the show. This was great. Love talking about the witch with you. Now we talked about the menu, and who knows what, what we're going to talk about in the future. So, so many things. So many Mario. things. Mario, <laughs> probably. <laughs> it's got to be Mario. Yeah, we have to do it. I do think <laughs> she was a pitch perfect casting for to uh, for Princess Toadstool, uh, Princess Peach. Peach, yeah. And then I then I learned it was not live action but animated, and I was like, uh, okay, it still works. It still works. So not like the original, but I guess we'll watch it. <laughs> With yeah, our I mean, friend Luigi, yeah, yeah. Where's the Koopas, yeah. the tr shrunk heads? Where's like the Blade Runner yeah. villains? So, like, yeah. Lots, <laughs> lots of fog, lots of lights and darkness. It's yes. really good. <laughs> Machines. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Super Mario. Childhood trauma. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> yes. And on that note, let's end this. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Thank you for having us. Thank you. Goodbye. That's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.